Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 284 of our Tick Boot Camp podcast. The title of today's interview is Post Traumatic Growth, an interview with Kristen Harris. Today, we have the honor of sharing our interview with a brilliant young woman, Kristen Harris. Christina Consavalos, a Lyme literate therapist, was my special guest co host for this interview. Kristen had childhood Lyme, a few years later reached remission, and later in life, she relapsed with severe symptoms. Kristen talks to us about exactly what she did to not only recover the first time, but the changes she made most recently to get over chronic Lyme disease. So if you want to hear exactly what Kristen did and how she was able to overcome the trauma associated with two really bad bouts of Lyme disease, then stay tuned for this brilliant interview. Hey, Kristen Harris, and welcome to the Tick Bootcamp podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Kristen, we are really excited to share with you today that we have Christina Consavalos from episode 159 of our Tick Bootcamp podcast, a special guest co-host today instead of Rich with me on this podcast. Christina, can you say hello? Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be co-hosting. And we are in a much better position because I can guarantee you that Christina is going to ask better questions than I do because for this podcast, Christina is going to be filling in for my part of the interview and I'm going to be filling in for Rich's part. So you're in for a real treat today for everybody who's listening. So Kristen, if you can start by giving us an idea of where you grew up and what your childhood was like. Okay. I grew up in Westchester County, New York. Um, Town is Somers and it was a picturesque kind of the perfect childhood you could imagine. Um, I grew up in a great neighborhood with lots of friends and I have an older sister and I spent a lot of my time outdoors and just have a lot of great memories. So Kristen, most people, when they talk to us about New York, they go, where in Manhattan are you? And we're like, no, 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 we're not from Manhattan. So give us an idea for our listeners where Westchester is in respect to Manhattan and New York City and how it's different or not different compared to Manhattan and New York City. Okay, so it is about two hours north, uh, depending on traffic, of course, um, of New York City. And um, it is, you know, a lot of greenery, very not city-like. I mean, I grew up in Somers, which was very, you know, a lot of neighborhoods and kind of small town stuff, not the big city, um, you know, busy streets and concrete jungle, definitely more green trees and, you know, small little towns and stuff like that. So it is not the concrete jungle that is New York City. This is more of a rural tree-like area, right? And of course, you know what I'm going to ask about this. If there's a lot of trees and a lot of woods, there must have been a lot of ticks up there, right? So what kind of knowledge did you have, Kristen, about ticks growing up? Zero knowledge. (laughs) Zero knowledge until um, I was eight year old, eight years old and found my first tick. And that's kind of when I learned about it. My family learned about it, all of that. So Kristen, your parents didn't even know about ticks and the dangers and risks of ticks prior to your exposure to a tick at eight years old? Sort of. Um, I mean, when the tick was found, my parents did know to take me to my doctor because it was embedded and they weren't quite sure what to do, but Back in, you know, the 90s, it wasn't as popular to know about Lyme and, you know, the risks of what could happen. It was more, do you see a bullseye rash if you don't, you know, kind of wait it out or here's a couple days of doxy and let's see what happens. Well, you and your parents are not alone because most of our guests have had the same answer as yours. In fact, I didn't even know what Lyme disease was before I got sick. So that just shows how much awareness we really need out there in the world, right? 
But walk us through your tick encounter at eight years old. So you sound like you had an engorged tick. And I'd like to first start by asking you, where was a tick bite? Where was it on your body? Was it your armpit, your waist, et cetera? In my belly button. Oh, yeah. Now, did you find it or did your parents find it, Kristen? I did. I, after a day of, you know, being outside with my sister and all of our neighborhood friends, you know, took a shower and was getting ready for bed and thought it was a new mole. I didn't know what it was. And my mom was the one that realized what it was. So now your mom realizes what it is and there's a tick biting you. Does she, does your mom remove the tick? Do you remove the tick? And how do you remove the tick? She removed the tick with tweezers. Definitely, probably not correctly because, you know, we weren't aware of the proper way to do so. And she did, you know, put it in a bag to bring to my physician. But again, it was, I don't, I don't believe it was sent out for any testing or anything. It was just, they took a look at it and, you know, sent me on my way. So I know now you're eight years old and I don't remember much from when I was eight years old, but I have to ask, do you recall what that doctor's visit was like, or has your mom shared with you, you know, what that visit was like with this doctor when you brought the tick and you said, Hey, I was bit by a tick on my belly button. Here's the tick. What should we do? Do you have any memories or, or at least stories told to you by your mom about what that experience was like? Yes. I don't remember, but my mom, uh, you know, since I've been on this journey for my entire life, almost, she remembers everything very precisely. So, um, basically they didn't really do anything with the tick. They didn't have the resources to send it for testing or anything like that. And of course my mom has always been my number one advocate. So they basically said, Oh, there's no rash. She has no symptoms. They were trying to make me wait it out, but my mom, you know, what little knowledge was out there, she advocated for antibiotics, which at the time was amoxicillin, I believe, and they gave me only a couple of days. It wasn't a full course or anything. They basically kind of gave me something so we would leave them alone and go away for the most part. You know, reflecting back on this experience from your mom's standpoint, does she recall you having any symptoms post tick bite and while on antibiotics, even after the antibiotics to indicate that you were infected with Lyme disease? Not really, you know, kind of was a very active, energetic kid. So she didn't see anything. And, you know, even when I was young, if I didn't feel great, I still was, you know, went to school, wanted to see my friends, was running around like a little maniac. So I didn't show any specific signs that she was alarmed and, you know, wanted to follow up with a doctor or anything. So after the few days of amoxicillin, you're on with your life, no changes. And I'm sure your mom moves on and doesn't remember the tick bite moving forward because why should she, right? You're feeling good. You're not sick. And the doctor said you had nothing to worry about. So walk us through your childhood. So you're eight years old, you know, now from the time you were eight up until, you know, your teenage years, did you ever notice anything different about yourself compared to other children that you were more tired that, you know, maybe you weren't behaving in the same way as, as your peers as a young child? Yeah, I, I do now, you know, looking back because I did have some struggles through my adolescent years with aches and pains, which, you know, they always said was all oh, growing pains, um, in particular, my knees, my knees were always sore. Um, also, a lot of kind of like cognitive and memory things, um, which 
kind of went more into my teenage years as well, just being forgetful and, you know, taking a test or doing like a reading comprehension test. And I would read and not even remember what I read two seconds prior to answer a question on a test or something like that. So definitely see it now. So, I mean, from interviewing almost 300 people on this podcast, knee pain is a very common early symptom of Lyme disease and especially in young children. And of course, cognitive and memory issues that are out of the blue, like yours, are also a huge red flag for Lyme disease as well. So they chalked up the knee pain to growing pains as, you know, you're a kid, right? But what were they saying about your cognitive issues? Did your parents take you to any doctors or were they just basically saying, hey, you know what, maybe she's having some, you know, problems with with memory retention or things like that? I was taken to many doctors. Um, At first it was kind of more, I wasn't interested or I wasn't paying attention when I started doing poorly in school. And then when I was uh, around high school age, they basically said it was, it was ADD. They put me on some medications, which, you know, kind of helped, but it didn't solve the problem. And then as I got older, more symptoms started to kind of spiral. So I'd like to ask you, Kristen, about the ADD, because again, this is very common when people get misdiagnosed. And almost every person we've interviewed in this podcast has had at least one misdiagnosis prior to Lyme. So growing pains and ADD so far have been your misdiagnoses. But with the medication you were prescribed for ADD, you said it helped a little bit, but it really just muted the symptoms. And then you developed even worsening symptoms as you grew up. How do you view this medication? Because you know, we hear from some people that feel very strongly that these were band-aids that made their diagnosis become delayed and hurt them, whereas others feel that these you know, treatments for things like ADD were bridges that helped them have some symptom relief and, and not be as sick as they would have been if they didn't get these, these treatments. So you know, looking back, do you think that this was a good or a bad thing, getting all of these you know, AD, ADD medications and things like that to kind of mute or suppress your symptoms when you were a child? I mean, realistically, it probably hurt me because it was kind of masking the problem and it kind of it made it a longer process, you know, because temporarily it was fixing things. So I was feeling good. And, you know, in high school, I didn't really want to be bothered with doctor's visits and following up with these things. So temporarily it fixed it. But in hindsight, I feel like it actually was prolonging, you know, more symptoms and possibly more long-term effects of not treating the Lyme itself. So were there any other misdiagnoses in your childhood years? So you obviously the ADD, the growing pains, was there anything else that was either symptoms or misdiagnoses that set you apart from your peers as a child? Yes. Um, I did start having some skin issues, rashes, eczema, psoriasis, um, also headaches, which was kind of new for me. You know, I didn't have a lot of headaches when I was younger, but as I got older, started getting migraines and, um, yeah, those were all kind of new things that no one really had a specific answer for, but, you know, treated with some sort of medication. And I can tell you, Kristen, that headaches among joint pain, like growing pains within the knee that you were told you had, as well as fatigue are among the top symptoms for Lyme disease. And here you are with knee pain, cognitive issues. 
you have skin issues, which are all generally connected to your gut, right? So it's showing that you have a, you have a, dis a disrupted microbiome and, and immune system, probably. You're having eczema, and now you're getting headaches, all of which are common Lyme symptoms. And you mentioned you saw a lot of doctors. When you were visiting these doctors, were you sharing with these specialists the full scope of what was going on? Or were they more interested on just a specialty that they were focused on? So for example, you went to a psychologist and they focused on the mental health side of things or the ADD side of things, and they weren't getting the big picture to put all the puzzle pieces together, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I went to a few different doctors and, um, you know, like the psychologist would give me medication for the attention issues. And then, you know, the aches and pains in the, you know, the neurologist kind of just gave me medication for migraines. And it wasn't, it didn't seem like everybody took all of the information and put the puzzle pieces together. It was more treating specific areas that they were, you know, expertise in. So you thought I have migraines, so I'm seeing a, neuro a neurologist. I have I have ADD, so I'm seeing, you know, a mental health professional. And you, you compartmentalized all these diagnoses thinking they were just things that you've accumulated throughout your, your childhood, correct? Correct. Talk to me about your worsening symptoms as you were continuing to grow up and get through school. I mean, you, you were eight when you got bit. You started developing these symptoms. Talk to us about life as 10, 11, 12, you know, and you start to get into your teen years, what life was like and how you started to feel worse. Yeah, it was probably around 12 or so. Um, my, we, we ended up moving to a little further upstate New York and things were getting a little bit worse as far as, you know, aches and pains and health issues, which was attributed to, you know, my parents got a divorce. We moved away from my hometown. It's emotional kind of issues, which again, could have possibly made me feel, you know, triggered things or made me feel worse because it was kind of a tough time. But realistically, I'm sure it was the Lyme. But, you know, it just kind of powered through. And at that time, unfortunately, kind of learned to just, even if I wasn't feeling good, make it happen, go to school, you know, live my life because it seemed like I wasn't really getting any sort of answers or cure going to a physician. So I kind of just, you know, lived my life and tried to ignore my pain. So you almost accepted this as your normal, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. So I wanted to spend a second here, Kristen, and talk about the impact that emotional events have on physical health, because I can tell you when I first got sick and I really would love Christina to jump out on this. Cause for those who don't know, Christina is a trained psychotherapist who we, who uh, we recommend to everybody in the Lyme community as well. But for me, I really was resistant to admit that emotional stress in my life contributed to my physical decline before my Lyme diagnosis. And when my childhood dog of 15 years passed away, when I was very physically unwell, that emotional trigger is what caused me to start having even more severe symptoms. And looking back, I recognize that the emotional stress had such a toll on my immune system, on my nervous system, and made me physically worse and weaken my body even further. So for you, Kristen, looking back, do you think that your parents' divorce, all of the emotional stress, and also just the stress of being a teenager, right? That's stressful in itself, going through, you know, going through all these changes in your life and trying to, you know, have an interest in, in, in other people and now start thinking about dating, all of those new first things that are happening in your life, plus your family life, do you think that contributed to your stress and made your body weaker and made you feel even worse with your Lyme disease? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm sure that that definitely had something to do with it. 
Christine, I'd love for you to jump in and just give us some, uh, drop some, some, you know, facts on us here as to what role emotions and mental health play when dealing with chronic Lyme disease, chronic illness, or any illness for that matter, and how they're so interconnected. And it's not all in our head. We're not crazy, but our mental health does have a direct correlation to our physical health. First of all, I like to say it's not in our heads, it's in our brains. <laughs> so when we're in chronic stress, right? Chronic fight or flight, we have the four the four F's, fight or flight, fawning, people-pleasing, overachieving, and uh, freezing. What happens is our bodies put healing on the back burner because our bodies are preoccupied with survival. They just, they just want us to survive. And our bodies are phenomenal. They're doing the best they can, but it's that limbic system that's convinced we need to remain in survival mode. And it, you know, it's sort of, um, I, I like to say there's kind of a snowball effect with, with the limbic system because it starts to track more and more fires around us. Right. So things get scarier and scarier and we get more and more anxious. Um, so healing even goes further and further back on that, that back burner. Uh, so it is really imperative that we get to a point where we heal our nervous systems, right? We figure out what is causing dis-ease in our life physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and really take good care of ourselves, be it support groups, therapy with coaches. It's just something that needs to be a part of a treatment plan because it plays such a huge part in physical illness. Thank you, Christine. I know I said you weren't going to come in until later in the interview, but I felt that was a very important uh, part for you to jump in on, especially with your background and your, your expertise and how you've helped so many people in the Lyme community. So, Kristen, walk us through more about now this, the, all these things are going on. You're snowballing up and you're getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Give us an idea of how sick you were before your ultimate diagnosis at 16 years old. Um, pretty sick. Um, you know, more, just a lot of the aches and pains and kind of just not feeling, you know, this in comparison, I always compared it to my sibling because, you know, she would, you know, be up and around and going out with friends. And I always felt, you know, fatigued at the end of the day and just certain aches and pains and things that she didn't experience. So I realized, Hey, this isn't really normal. Um, so I actually started seeing a chiropractor for my pains and back pain, knee pain. And he actually is the one that tipped me off about the Lyme. He, um, he had a connection with a physician that later I got treatment from. And that's the main reason out of all the doctors I saw someone that, you know, you would think you wouldn't think would be the one, you know, just there to crack my back and send me on my way. And he really, you know, helped me find the root cause. So you were developing further body pain. It sounds like back pain, et cetera. So you went to see a chiropractor. What did you share with the chiropractor? Because I think this is important because looking back at my own journey, I know there are things I could have explained better to doctors and, you know, reflecting on myself, what I could have done. How did you share with the chiropractor and what did you, what did you tell him about your symptoms that triggered him to think Lyme disease? I think just the overall picture, you know, just talking about how, you know, through the years, different symptoms kind of popped up that really hadn't gone away that were more suppressed by medications and just the list of symptoms. Um, he, he has, you know, is a family member of this 
prominent Lyme doctor. So he was very, really well versed in all of the symptoms and how, you know, treatments can be, you know, fail and you might need additional treatments and how it can turn neurological. So I just happened to speak to the right person with all of my, you know, woes. And he had the key to help me figure out what was going on. Okay. So this chiropractor referred you to a family member who was a Lyme specialist who you went to see. Are you comfortable, Kristen, sharing the name of this Lyme specialist that you went to see? Yes. Uh, I wanted to be sure it was okay with you guys, but yes, it's Dr. Richard Horowitz. Okay. So you see, so you see Dr. Richard Horowitz and again, he's in upstate New York as well, which is where you're living, correct? Yes. I was living in Rhinebeck. Um, so a couple towns over from where his practice is. So you go to see Dr. Horowitz and I'm going to guess and say he ran an hygienics blood test on you. Is that correct? Or- That's correct. Did he test for just Lyme or co-infections as well? I believe co-infections as well. Okay. So what were the results? The results were positive for Lyme. Um, as normal, um, co-infections really didn't come back as positive, but based on symptoms and everything that was going on with me, I was also diagnosed with Babesia. And um, that's where my healing journey started. All right. So you're 16 years old. You're treating with the world's famous Dr. Horowitz. We've had people tell us they've come to see Dr. Horowitz from Germany and France, right? That's how popular this doctor is. And he diagnosed you with Lyme and Babesia. So what is your treatment plan for a 16-year-old young woman with Lyme and Babesia that Dr. Horowitz prescribes? Unfortunately, I don't remember every specific medication, but I do know that it was a lot of pills, a lot of herbs and supplements, some um, terrible tasting liquids, which um, I will remember forever. And just a really, it was a really tough protocol um, for a couple, a little over a year, I believe. And um, it it was a lot. And it was a lot for a teenager who, you know, at the time I'm thinking, why do I need to take all of this stuff? Does this guy know what he's doing? You know, you, you just want to be a teenager. You want to hang out with your friends. You want to stay out late and do all of these things. And I'm there, you know, counting pills and my mom's chasing me down not to forget, you know, bring your medications with you and stuff like that. And it, um, it was a lot, but it, it saved my life. So these, these were tinctures and pills. So were you on antibiotics and natural herbals? Is that what it was? A combination of both? Yes. I don't believe at the same time, unfortunately, at the time, you know, it was 20 some odd years ago. It's hard for me to remember exactly what was given to me, but there would be, you know, different stages of the protocol where you would take certain things together and then, you know, remove something and then take other uh, medications at the same time. And Kristen, you don't realize who this man is at the time as far as being, you know, this, this legend in the Lyme community. You're doubting if this is really going to work because it's a lot of medications, a lot of different things. So how did you start to feel when you first began treatment? Were you feeling better? Did you hurt? So walk us through the early period of your treatment. The early period, I definitely was herxing, feeling really poor. Um, I was having, you know, like all sorts of rashes breaking out, sores in my mouth. I mean, so many really painful things. I will forever remember it was prom and I had probably from, you know, the different viruses coming out that were in my system, such bad sores in my mouth that I could barely smile for a picture. But 
my mom was like, you're not stopping this protocol. So I powered through and, you know, in the end was feeling amazing. So it was all worth it. Kristen, during this time period of almost two years from 16 to 18, was there anything that you were prescribed or purchased through Dr. Horowitz or recommended by Dr. Horowitz that helped you in you having a Herxheimer reaction? Meaning, you know, you're, you're healing, you're killing a ton of things, you're supporting your immune system. Was there any particular tool that he gave you that really helped you when you were feeling really cruddy from treatment? Um, it's kind of hard to remember, but I do know at that point, um, my diet also was a very important component because I found out I had all of these food allergies and the worst, I mean, the worst I would feel is when I would, you know, eat junk. And when I slowly started eating better and, you know, following the protocol, I feel like that a lot of my symptoms went away, which found out later I had celiac and dairy allergy and all of these things. And of course I was eating pizza and junk because I was a teenager and a lot of that really helped. And, um, I believe some of the herbals too, I feel like helped kind of calm my gut down with probiotics and, you know, take some things to sleep. Cause I used to get really bad anxiety, sleeping some melatonin and kind of things at night to calm me down. So walk us through that. You're, you're feeling better. You're 18 years old and you know, what's next. Christina is going to jump in here after this question and talk to you about, you know, life's good. You're feeling really well. Dr. Harwood's got you into remission. You know, are you back to feeling that you're invincible again, because you're feeling back to your old self and what's next for you in life? Yes. I, I did. I mean, usually probably by the time I went to college, I was virtually symptom free and, you know, just live my life and kind of made up for lost time and had a great, you know, through my college years, a lot of fun and going out and just living life to the fullest. And I was feeling really, really good for a very long time. Okay. Am I taking over, Matt? It is your time, Christina. It you is are my ready. time. All right. I cannot wait for you to geek out. I'm so excited to listen to I'm, this exchange here. I'm so excited. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you for letting me interview you. So, okay. You're feeling, you're feeling better. You have six years of, of life back, right? So to speak. Um, so you're in college, you're enjoying yourself. Tell me what happens in, I think you said it was 2016. Yeah. So thinking back again, um, through, you know, like the early 2010s, I started having some more headaches and stuff again, some, some ear problems, which was a strange one, you know, the ringing in the ear, I felt like almost I was losing a, a little bit of hearing. So I started going to, uh, multiple doctors again and, um, you know, migraines, certain things. So it wasn't life-changing. So I just kind of took the medications and went on my way. Um, but in 2016, I was working in a super high stress job and what one, at one day, it was a very bad day. And basically I fainted or blacked out. It's kind of even hard for me to remember exactly what happened. I just know that I was completely out of it. I had to call my boyfriend to pick me up and take me to the hospital. I, I thought I was having a stroke because it 
at that point, a new symptom started, which I still have here and there, which is I had a full pain, my whole left side from the top of my head to the bottom of my toe and, you know, chest pains. And I was like, I'm having a stroke. I'm having a heart attack. This is it. So uh, I went to the emergency room at that time. Okay. And, you know, I, I like when I'm working with clients, something I ask them is when did the body start saying no, right? That's a Gabor. There's a book by Gabor Mate called when the body says no. And with your job being stressful, do you think your body was signaling no, like I'm, I'm done, um, before that event happened? Yeah. I mean, honestly, there, there was quite a few months, maybe even a year leading up to that point where things in my personal life and with work that were high stress and just really emotional and a lot for me. And I, I swear that day was the breaking point. I was, it was the summer I was in someone's wedding and that was constant demand. And then at this job, um, I got promoted. I had to take on all of these new accounts and I was trying to handle it all. And it just, it definitely kicked me over the edge. And my body was definitely saying no. It was saying no. Right. And something we learned with, with healing from this is we can do anything, but we can't do everything. And so many of us were trying to do everything before we got sick, you know? Um, so how did, you know, Prior to that event, did you at all think, oh, this could be Lyme coming back up again or, or no? Like what gave you the idea? This is Lyme. This is for sure Lyme at this point. Well, after going again to a bunch of physicians that led me almost nowhere, I started doing my own research online. And that's kind of when I realized, you know, oh, you know, this could be reoccurring Lyme again. You know, obviously I went to the best doctor, got the best treatment and was feeling amazing from 16 to 33 years old. So you kind of think it's gone, right? You know, oh, I'm cured. So at that point, you know, when I went to the emergency room, that was not my first thought. My first thought was I'm having a stroke, you know, I'm having a heart attack, something major is going on. And it took, you know, a while for me after many failed attempts at doctors to do my own research. And that's when I was like, you know what, I'm going to test again, which I did a regular blood test that came back negative. So, um, that's when I had to find a specialist. Okay. And did you return back to Dr. Horowitz at this point? I did not because unfortunately it had been so long that I was no longer a, you know, current patient in his practice. And he had an, a, a crazy waiting list of however many months, years, you know, how it is with him, you know, people come from all over the world. So um, I did reach out to them and I was on a waiting list, but I could not wait to find out, you know, if that's what it was. So I, you know, looked locally, which there are a few uh, great doctors in the Westchester area. Okay. And was there one that you ended up sticking with and are still with at this point? Yes. Um, I saw a Dr. Ron Urafi Lowenberg, who is in Katona, New York, and um, she is a Lyme literate medical doctor. She has Lyme herself, so she has been through it as well. And that's how I got my 
new but not so new diagnosis of Lyme in 2016. Okay. So I have to ask sort of this emotional question, right? Um, what came up for you when you found out you had Lyme again? Oh, just, I, I remember like going to doctors and not getting an definitive answer is so frustrating. Right. But you're like, oh, I'm fine. You know, I'm not having a stroke. I didn't have, I'm not having a heart attack. So you feel like I'm good. You know, it's just an acre of pain. So when I did find out it was relief and also sad, you know, it was just like, oh my gosh, I have to do this all over again after, you know, going through it as a teen was a lot. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go through this all over again. So relieved that there's an answer, but, you know, frustrated and sad that this is still a part of my life. Totally. I, I like to say like the relief is in naming the monster. We know what the culprit is. We've named the monster. How do we fight the monster at this point? And that's my next question. Did you feel better equipped to fight the monster, to fight Lyme, knowing what you kind of had experienced and gone through previously? Yeah, absolutely. And also just with maturity, you know, as a teenager, my priority wasn't my health. My priority was like fun, right? So you're 16, you want to hang out, you want to stay out late and do all these things. But you know, in your thirties, your priority is feeling well, right. And having your life and working and having a family or whatever you choose. But I knew I was, I definitely felt more equipped and ready for it. And what at this point did, did this doctor, um, give you anything different? Was it the same protocol? What, what has worked? What hasn't tell us everything. So, um, it was a little bit different because I did go through, uh, intravenous antibiotics, which I did not do, uh, previously. So, um, that was, you know, that really did help and kind of, uh, especially at the low, low point I was at, you know, 16 and 17, I was really sick all the time. I mean, every symptom, every ache and pain, I was unable to go to work some days, unable to, you know, fulfill obligations. So um, the IV antibiotics definitely helped at least have me hit a, a plateau of where I could function, function normally and, you know, work and do certain things. And what kind of antibiotics? Um, a bunch of different ones. Okay. Okay. Um, like Doxy. Okay. Doxy, Ceftin, Zithromax, um, you know, other things like Mepron and uh, what's the other one? Tindamax. They're not antibiotics, but just kind of protocols where you would, you know, swap things out and kind of pulse different antibiotics with different combinations. Okay, great. And um, did she have you do anything else or did you use anything else? Like, I think you had, I'd read that you did yoga, ozone therapy, CBD. Yeah, I, I, those weren't necessarily things that she, you know, suggested, but after, you know, my own research too, I did a lot of kind of natural things that I was trying to heal myself while, you know, fighting this monster. So yeah, yoga, CBD, um, you know, I have an infrared sauna that I use all the time. I did some ozone therapy, oxygen therapy, kind of tried to throw everything at it that I possibly could. 
Uh, did you have a Herxheimer reaction this time around or not so much? Yes. Um, it really kind of depended on what the protocol was, but in particular, I remember with uh, Mepron, which usually is used for Babesia and other co-infections that used to make me so sick and give me crazy anxiety. But in the long run, a lot of my symptoms that I had, I don't have anymore. So it oh, that's great. That's great. We always look for the long-term healing benefits. Right. Um, and so during, during this time, what have, have you been able to work or did you have to take time off from work? How did that look for you? Yeah. So, um, I started kind of my crazy everyday protocol, um, in the beginning of 2017 and, um, in the summer of 2017, it was just not practical to do this treatment going, you know, feeling horrible and continue working. So I did go out on disability in 2017, um, that summer to do full-time, you know, healing protocol. And, um, I ended up out of work for a few years. Okay. And, um, so you ended up out of work for a few years and then what made you realize you could return back, right? That's always, I feel like that stage is one of the trickiest for those of us healing is figuring out what the sweet spot is like, okay, do I go back to work full time? Uh, can I, can I handle it? Will it, will it trigger anything? Um, do I have to go part-time that sort of thing? Yeah. So, um, it was the end of 2019 into 2020 and I had been feeling really, you know, the best I had in years. And I just felt like mentally, I also needed to go back to work. You know, it's, it's important to take, you know, put your health first, but also mentally, I kind of felt like my whole world was illness and my whole world was doctor's appointments and counting pills and, you know, organizing pills and social media, researching Lyme and what can I do to advocate and getting involved in that. And that's wonderful and everything, but, you know, mentally, I felt like I need to, you know, use my brain and kind of use my skill that I used before and, and get back into working. Mm -hmm. And, um, what percentage would you say you were back to, you know, your old self or how much do you feel like you are yourself now? I would say probably about 75%. I mean, it really, it, things do vary, you know, it's, it's symptoms come and go. There's days where I feel a hundred percent and I feel like I'm invincible. And then there's days where I can't, you know, wake up. I can't get enough, enough sleep. I'm exhausted. Or I feel like I can't go to work and things like that, but it's definitely far less than it was in 2016. I mean, back then it was every day was a struggle to even take a shower. So I've definitely made tremendous progress. And I always like to say healing's not linear, right? We're just looking for an upwards trajectory, even if it's, you know, 0.02% of a positive trajectory. So 
what, what do you feel like has, you know, since 2016 up until now, what do you think has improved for you mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Um, I would say just my overall pain. I had a lot of just, I mean, like what I was saying from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes on the left side of my body, that has definitely subsided my migraines, you know, physical symptoms have gone down and, you know, my outlook on things really being positive and, you know, having a purpose, you know, working in my family and certain things just boosts me to do, you know, my just keeps me positive and makes me feel better mentally and physically as well. So, you know, just taking the time you need when you don't feel good is very important. Um, but also, you know, being able to live your life is important and make sure that you're not, you know, just wallowing in your own illness, right? You have to go out and live your life and just do the best that you can. Amen. PSA rest is productive and following your joy is self-care. I always like to say that. Um, what do you feel has attributed to your success the most, if you were to say? Um, finding a great doctor and, um, you know, just having someone that listens to you, you know, obviously the medications and the protocols are important and, you know, helping with symptoms and, you know, making you feel back to normal, but it's also important to have, uh, you know, even family and friends have people on your side, have people understand, you know, I went through challenges, especially the work situation, you know, when I was sick and went out on disability, not having the support of my employer, not having the support of some friends and stuff, because, you know, you have to cancel things, you can't fulfill obligations and people don't, you know, they see me and they're like, oh, you look great. What do you mean you can't do this? And it's really having a support from everyone that, you know, helps push you over to, you know, a positive side and feeling your best. 100% healing is in believing and feeling heard and listened to. Um, what would you, how would you say your life is different now than before, before the second diagnosis? Um, I would say that I definitely look at things very differently. Um, just because after being sick and, you know, losing it all, losing my career and, you know, friendships and relationships. And I just think that I just take every day. I don't take any day for granted. And I just try and be positive and, you know, just power through because it's really, you, you can't, I, I used to just live life as if, you know, everybody else, you don't think about the what if, and now it's kind of just like, I've been at my lowest. So I have to just move forward and just be positive and try and feel my best. Yes, 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 yes. I think sometimes, at least in my experience, and from what I've heard from others, it when we really begin to heal, it almost feels like we've been given the second chance to live. Right. So we, we truly not perfectly, but for the most part, do not take anything for granted. 
because we know what it's like for it to be taken away from us so easily what and what feels like overnight. Um, so on, on that topic, um, what advice would you give to someone or anyone who's in the throes of healing from Lyme disease or any tick-borne illness? I would say, first of all, always advocate for yourself because as we know with, you know, everything with the doctors and, and some of the lack of knowledge in Lyme, always advocate for yourself because it's very frustrating to not be properly diagnosed, but also, you know, just staying positive and, you know, reach out if you need help. And I mean, I found an amazing community online for, you know, support groups and therapies and things that people that have been through it, I feel like that's so important that other people that have experienced it is sharing your story, especially when you're having a bad day. Cause you know, people have these bad days and they think, you know, it's never going to get better, but it does. And, you know, reaching out and finding someone to lean on is super, super important. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Totally. I totally agree with that. Um, Matt, did you, are you going to step in or should I keep I mean, going? I, I step in at this point, Christina, I'm only going to destroy the podcast. So I'm just a <laughs> spectator at this point. And I'd love for you to continue on and close this out because I cannot contribute any more than you are. And this is brilliant. So please keep going. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. Um, well, she's a lovely person to interview. She's making it easy. Um, so I, I always ask about the post-traumatic growth of any traumatic situation. And to me, Lyme disease is extremely traumatic. And I'd love to know what you've gained from Lyme disease and what you're doing with that knowledge and wisdom now. Definitely don't sweat the small stuff because, you know, sometimes even friends or family, I see people with, you know, lack of patience or get angry over the silliest thing. And it's so important just not to take life for granted, you know, your health for granted, your happiness for granted, because it's, it's, it's really the only way you're going to get through. And I mean, it's definitely changed who I am. Um, you know, I've shifted careers into, you know, doing development for nonprofits. Cause I feel like I need to advocate for everyone about everything now because, you know, especially my trauma from my work experience when I was sick and being let go and, you know, just terrible things that happened in that situation where I was disposable that I was like, why am I, why am I giving my, my knowledge and my time to someone that could replace me and doesn't care about me kind of thing. So, you know, I've taken that trauma and turned it into, you know, advocating for people. I work for a cancer nonprofit now and we provide services to sick people. So I'm all about, you know, helping people and making their journey easier if I possibly could, because, you know, it's traumatic going through, especially when you're young, the illness and doctors not believing you and friends not believing you and family not believing you, you know, it's just, it's a lot. So I, I feel like it's made me a better person, even though 
it sucks being sick and it sucks going to the doctor and doing IV and getting your blood drawn. But I feel like it's made me want to help people more, which, you know, in the long run is hopefully going to benefit. Even if it's one person, I just really, you know, want to help people and especially people that need the guidance when they're ill. That's super important. Oh, that's going to make me cry. Literally. That's so, that's so beautiful. Um, you know, they've done, they've done research on post-traumatic growth and, you know, most people say they wouldn't change their trauma for the wisdom they gained after the fact and who they've, who they've become. And it sounds like you've just become this wonderful, beautiful person who, um, advocates for herself and for others, stands up for what she believes in and um, won't like place herself in a situation again where her body's going to say no for her first. So that's, that's so beautiful. Um, Are you still connected to the Lyme community at this point? And if so, how? Yes, I am. I, um, you know, I, social media. I have all of my social media friends. I do some of different um, support groups. Um, I am a ambassador for Global Lyme Alliance. Um, I've actually been speaking with them more possibly about getting involved, you know, on a part-time basis to help with their development stuff because I've been working in fundraising and events um, the last couple of years for uh, Gilda's Club, which is a cancer nonprofit. So I still want to give some of my time to the Lyme community because that's where my heart is. And um, yeah, so I definitely still stay involved. Yeah, it looks like you give a lot of your heart to it still. So thank you for that. Thank you. Um, And what advice would you give to others who are not sick, um, just looking to protect their families against any tick-borne disease? Um, definitely do your own research. And as I said before, advocate for yourself. Um, I actually have a family member who recently uh, got bit by a tick and has been struggling with the doctors and the, the whole story that I, I went through and I instructed her, you know, to see a Lyme literate doctor get proper testing. And um, that is the most important thing because you know, it was, it's, um, my sister-in-law's child who is, you know, four years old and I do not want a kid going through what I went through. So it's so important to advocate for yourself. If your doctor is not helping you, you need to do your research and find another physician that will get you proper, you know, testing and proper treatment. So you can nip it in the bud before, you know, 20 years goes by like me. Yes. And you brought up a really good point that I always like to repeat to everyone is that, you know, you don't work for doctors, they work for you. So if, if you find a provider and this includes myself as a provider, that's not a good fit. Swipe left onto the next one. Keep moving forward until you find someone who sees you, who believes you, who doesn't gaslight you, who really wants to help and understand you so that you can heal. And uh, you kind of answered my next question, which is if knowing what you know now, what, what would you do if a tick happened to bite you? I would definitely send the tick for testing. That is the, the first thing that I didn't even know was possible, you know, 
a million years ago when I was bit and to, you know, do preventative protocols because, you know, also back then they give you a couple days of antibiotic and I don't even know if it was the correct one, but just make sure that you do all that you can to prevent, you know, any further symptoms or it turning neurological or long-term. I'm going to jump in here real quick. And I know I said I wasn't going to talk, Christina. I apologize. But I was about to ask if you were going to ask any other questions before I ask a final one. I do want to give a plug because we actually, about a year ago, were seeking to find a Lyme litter therapist because one of the most common things we get is I have a therapist. They don't understand me. They don't understand Lyme disease. And it just isn't working. And that's a super common thing in the community that people are really afraid to speak about publicly. So when we interviewed you, Christina, we said, wow, here we are with somebody who has gone through the Lyme journey, has overcome it, and is now helping people as a therapist in their Lyme journey. So I just want to let everybody know if you're listening to this podcast and you're struggling and you want to see a therapist or you have a therapist that, that isn't working out, please reach out to Christina. She's Wayne Camino on Instagram. Christina, do you have a website? I just want to give you a little plug here yeah, for your services. Yeah, for, for my therapy website, it's at begin within today or www.beginwithintoday.com. And, and truly, we've learned so much from Christina, and I just encourage everybody to go check out her amazing services and how she can bring some relief in, in such a horrible, horrible time of our lives. And Kristen, I just have to tell you, I'm sitting here, and if anybody knows me, they know I love the Lime Hack part of this the most, right? Would you give a really brilliant Lime Hack portion of this interview? But I'm just just radiating right now with just joy from hearing this exchange you had. I mean, the post-traumatic, I can't speak, I'm so excited. The post-traumatic growth discussion you two had was just so brilliantly done. And I just can't thank you, Kristen, for being so vulnerable to share that with us, because I know that's really a vulnerable thing to talk about. It's deep, it's personal. So thank you for being so open and honest on this podcast. And now I will shut up because I want to hear more of what Christina has to say with you, Kristen. So I will recede back into the background. <laughs> oh, Matt, thank you so much for that, for that plug. And again, Kristen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here and letting us interview you. So I think my last um, question would be if you could go back in time and tell your younger self anything when you got diagnosed, either the first time, the second time, what would those words be? That it will get better. That it's a long, hard road, but it will get better. You just have to advocate for yourself and, you know, go through the tough journey, but in the end, it'll all be worth it. Oh. I felt that deeply. I know, I'm like I'm crying now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> now we're all crying. So Kristen, thank you so much for joining the Tick Bootcamp podcast and blessing our listeners with your story. And Christina, thank you for being a guest co-host. We appreciate you, Kristen. We appreciate you, appreciate you, Christina. And thank you both so much. And thank you, Tick Bootcamp, for just being the most amazing. <laughs> so Yes, thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening to our special Tick Bootcamp interview with our guest, Kristen Harris. Lime Litter Therapist Christina Gonzalez was our special guest co-host during this interview. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Kristen Harris, please visit her on Instagram at TickDon'tKillMyVibe. Second, if you've enjoyed this episode of our Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends on social media. Third, Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick Bite blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at tickbootcamp.com slash bite to view our blueprint.
Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on your podcast platform of choice. And finally, if you'd like to search our podcast library of almost 300 episodes, subscribe to our email list, or share feedback with us, please visit our website at tickbootcamp.com. Thank you, as always, for listening.